churches. And so when you hear me say things like this, the reason why I can stand here comfortably and talk about this is because it, we're doing God's will. And I'm never going to feel, um, I'm never going to apologize. I'm not going to be timid when I do God's will. Never going to do that. So that's why I'm standing here confidently and explaining to you what we're doing, because this is God's will. And so God is not telling you that are struggling, that don't have what it takes. Why this is a spiritual journey is because God wants to bless you as he expands his kingdom. So just say, give you an example. Just say you're struggling financially. I want you to go to God and pray and say, God, this doesn't make sense to me because I'm struggling. My family's struggling, struggling. We don't have what we need most of the times, but how in the world would we be able to give? And I want you to pray that prayer. Just say that to God. And then you say, but I want to participate. And God will tell you exactly what you need to give. And God may give you a figure that's bigger than what you can afford. But why this is a spiritual journey? Because it's faith. It's faith-based. It's faith-driven. It's not your ability-driven. It's faith-driven. So when you say that and then God says, all right, I want you to give $2,500. And you know you look in your bank account and you can barely keep $500 a month in there. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I can barely keep any money in this bank account. $2,500, where's that going to come from? If God put it in your heart, you write it on the card and you bring it in. Because what God wants to do is help you from struggling. But his way of getting you out of your struggle is that you give to his purpose. He does things differently. And so you're struggling, and the way he's going to get you out of your struggle is by you giving to what he wants to do. Remember the prophet that showed up, was hungry, and the lady had one meal, and she said, I'm going to give this meal for me and my son, and we're going to cook it up, and we're going to eat it and die. And the prophet said, no, give me first. That, that's just crazy, and nobody wants to believe that, that that makes sense. That's how God does things. This is why God tells us all the time that the, the whole tithing thing. I want 10% of whatever you earn, but I want it off the top. Don't wait till you spend, spend, spend. Then get, I want mine off the top. That's how God works. We might not like that. We might not feel comfortable with that. That's how he's going to bless your finances. So when you get any earning, God wants his 10% off the top. That's still different from what I'm talking about. Aside from the 10%, God wants you to give to this stewardship campaign because he wants to bless you. And when you give, he's going to open up a window of heaven and pour out blessings upon you. You're going to be able to buy homes that you didn't think you can buy. You're going to be able to accomplish things financially you didn't think. Debts will be paid off. That's stuff that we read up there all the time. We're not just saying that. You're going to experience financial breakthrough because you, you went with the process God has instilled to bless you. How long have we struggled financially and we're still struggling? And then when we get to this place, we say, God, I'm struggling. I can't give. And can I whisper God's word in your ears? And you will continue to struggle as long as you keep on trying to keep your stuff to yourself and trying to earn what you got to earn and do what you got to do. This, the way out of your financial struggles is to give to God's work. That's the way out of it. Get a commitment card today. And when you get your commitment card, hold on to it, keep praying, ask God what is your number, and bring it back on the 24th and give to the Lord. And God's going to give back to you what you would not believe you would receive from him. And he's going to pour out blessings upon you. I'm not just saying this. Remember, you know, this church has never been about uh, talking about finances and this and that, this and that. We, we don't do that. 
I'm only talking to you about this because I'm never shy about telling you about God's word. I remember when I first started um, this church, obviously I was a little concerned in talking about money. And the Lord put into my heart to say to you all, Wayne, tell the people that I can bless them in every kind of way and not financially if they don't obey my financial blessing. So he says, in order for the people to be blessed in every way, Wayne, preach to them about finances as well as the spiritual things. So what happens a lot of times is you might want me to just keep on preaching about how good God is and how God will bless you. But if I don't tell you about how to handle your finances according to God's way, then you will be still miserable some days when you leave here because you'll feel like, man, I put a good offering in the offering today. But, you know, I'm still broke. But when I teach you the principles of how you give, then you will be blessed financially as well as when you do the things you're supposed to do to be blessed spiritually. Amen. So our spiritual campaign is on the move. And you want me to tell you something interesting? I, I was telling them this morning that um, since we've started our spiritual campaign, we've been hearing about spiritual campaigns here and there. But I didn't know of anybody that ever did a spiritual campaign. I didn't know of any churches that we heard of churches that said they did fundraisers. But we never heard of um, churches that said spiritual campaign. And since I've heard about since we've started, I've heard about three or four times other places. And I realized, wow, this is the will of God. This is what God has chosen to bless us. And if you go through scriptures, this is legit. This is the way God has chosen to bless his church and to expand his kingdom. So we are on the right track. And the biggest thing about this is what is before us more than the money is how we're going to reach the lost is how we're going to minister to people, is how people are going to be saved. That's what's in front of this. But here is the, 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 the whole thing of it. If we start reaching our loved ones and family members that are not saved, if they start getting saved and we're still here, where do they go? Just, just saying. So that's why this makes sense. And God is doing what he's doing, that as we begin to go on this spiritual journey of reaching people, then God will open the door for us to walk into that facility. And... You know, the final thing I'll say um, uh, about that is we, we have to be ready when we go over to that new facility because God is getting ready to do it. And so you want to start doing the things that God wants you to do now and not say when we get there, I will do it. We got to start it now. Amen. And so I appreciate um, everyone that have um, prayed, that's been praying with us. Um, that has started our spiritual journey every morning between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. We're praying. Amen. And we're asking God's will to be done. And um, it's just been wonderful. I know there's um, another time for prayer, which is 10 a.m., 9 a.m., 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. I'm not sure if anyone has used Eliza that time. I'll check in with that. But um, we're praying. And I hope that if you haven't started praying with the group, that you will start praying with the group as well where we will begin to see God move. Amen. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So, Brother brother Sharp. All right. Brother Sharp, we have the 9 p.m. through the 10 p.m. All right. Amen. So, that's good. Thank you, Brother Sharp. We appreciate that. Amen. That's outstanding. I want to report back to you that, you know, we've been praying for a lot of things, and God is doing it. Uh, Brother um, Bradley just reported to me this morning that we prayed for a lady, a little um, person that was lost, and and, and her last name was Wood, 
and we were worried about um, her, and Bradley just told me that um, they found her. And so, you know, God is doing some great things. We prayed. Um, we prayed for um, um, Rose's father-in-law, Brother Teddy's father, and he went through surgery, and he's doing so much better. Things are going good. My father-in-law, he went into the hospital. He was battling um, sickness, and we prayed, and yesterday he was cracking jokes. <laughs> so he's doing well. So our prayers are being heard and answered by God, and I'm excited about that because we're on a spiritual journey, church. This is not just, don't let nobody make you feel bad and thinking that we're about money. We're not about money. We're about doing God's will, and the money is going to continue to fund God's will. In case you didn't notice, isn't it interesting that, interesting that when Jesus was born, what happened? Wise men went to him, and they brought gifts. What do you think those gifts was for? It was for funding of the mission of Jesus Christ. So it was always the case that the mission of Christ be funded. It was never not the will of God to, to fund the will of God. If you go back to the Old Testament, when they build the temple, they brought of their own and gave to the bill. It was always finance that financed the mission of Jesus Christ. So don't get tight when you hear about this stuff. Don't even worry about that stuff. That's just the, just, just the way it is. It's a spiritual journey. We're reaching our world. And as we reach them, we need to facilitate growth by discipleship, by having a place where we can all come in and worship God, where we can come in and be together as a family, where you will have some place to bury your dead, where you will have some place for the uh, dedication of your children, where you will have some place for the marriage ceremony. These are all things that I don't know we think about. But, it's, but, but that's what's your church. When you become a part of a congregation, a part of the kingdom of God, these are things that you will need. And that's what your church does. So all of this stuff has nothing to do with anything other than doing the will of God. This is where, if God tarries, this is where you will uh, be utilized. You, no. How you say eulogy? You, you, eulogize. There you go. That's what, that, when you come into the house of God, and if God decides to bring you home, you will be eulogized in your church. You don't want to think about it, but I think about these things. You don't want to, listen, you want to be eulogized in your church, not in the funeral home. I'm not saying anything wrong with the funeral home. I'm just telling you what you want, okay? You want your children dedicated in the house of God, your church, where your pastor know your family member. That's what you want. You don't want them to be someplace else. When you get married, you want your children, you want to be married. As a matter of fact, you want to you hear something funny? You want to hear something funny? I'm getting ready to pray right now for people that desire to be married and is not yet married. I, don't, I, was, I was in here this morning and the Holy Ghost just put it in my spirit. Pray for those people that ain't married that need to be married, that want to be married. Isn't that interesting? God ain't never gave me a thought like that before. Never, ever. This morning he gave me the thought, pray for people that are not married that want to be married. I said, Lord. So that's interesting, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person that is a part of this congregation, for every person, Lord God, that is in person or that is viewing, oh God, online, 
If they desire to be married, Lord God, whether it be a man or a woman, if they desire to be married, Lord God, I pray that you will open up the doors of opportunity and send them a man of God, send them a woman of God, that Lord will be the best spouse to them that they could be, that they can have, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you will begin to give us miracles of marriages, Lord God, where you brought two people together, where you put them together. I pray, Lord God, for miracles of marriages coming together, Lord God. People being married, Lord God. Have your way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Also, Abigail, I know you just got here, and I know I don't want to be all up in your business. I'm not trying to be. But I'm praying also that God will use you at Princeton University, that we will have an in to teach Bible study on campus, that we will be able to reach those children. Well, they're young people now. You reach those young people that are on campus. So I want you to let your light shine. I want you to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to be shy. Be who God called you to be. You will hear the message today. Just be who God called you to be. God is going to use you on that campus to do great things. Let's stand and let's get into the word of God. I know I did a whole lot of talking, but sometimes these things are warranted. You know, they're necessary. Amen. It's just the way it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Again, it's good to see everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening to everything that we have to say. Please make a note of everything. Please participate. God is doing some great things, and God connected you to this church because this is the way he wants you to fulfill your purpose in the kingdom of God and fulfill your purpose in Christ Jesus. Amen. All of us have a purpose. Did you know that? All of us have a purpose. There's not one of us that don't have a purpose, and God provides the local church in order for us to work through the local church in fulfilling his purpose in the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, the word of God says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart. Let me read that again. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The word of God this morning, and we pray that you continue to have your way. Will you move on the heart of your people today that the word of God will resonate, that the word of God will take root in their heart, that, Lord God, the power of God will overshadow us, and that there will be a spiritual encounter that we will have with you today, that, Lord, we will not leave the same way we came in. Will you help us this morning, Lord? Will you change us, Lord God, by the power of your spirit and the authority of your word? I pray, Lord God, that you'll give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying today and hearts to receive, Lord God. I pray that you'll anoint me, Lord God, and place
and the flow of your spirit to, to minister to your people and to be your oracle and to be your instrument and to be your conduit. Lord, don't let us leave this place the same way, but communicate to us what you want us to know and understand and do, Lord God. I pray today for miracles, signs, and wonders to take a hold of us, Lord God. I bless your name. I praise your name, Lord. Do what you want to do in this place, Lord God. I pray faith will be great among the people of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you on this topic today. Sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. During our meeting at General Conference in Indianapolis this past week, I had the pleasure of having lunch with some outstanding men of God, outstanding leaders. Uh, there are times when I sit around these men and I'm in awe that I have the pleasure, the, 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 the privilege of having a seat at the table with these wonderful men. When they invite me to come to lunch with them, when they say, come on, Brother Wyatt, sit, sit with us, come on. You know, they will have me come along and say, where, where are we sitting? You know, and they just show me so much love and I'm just so appreciative, and I thank God for allowing me to be in such great company. And so this week when we went away for general conference, again, I was around these great men of God, these, these great leaders and visionaries. And so uh, we, we hung out. We had lunch. And so one of these men in particular I want to mention is a gentleman by the name of Terry Pugh. Terry Pugh. His daddy's name is J.T. Pugh, that name you probably heard before, but this is an outstanding man of God. And Terry Pugh is from Texas. Uh, he has this strong Texas draw when he speaks. <laughs> and so, as always, whenever I get to general conference um, at our board meetings, I always seek out Brother Pugh because I, I'm very fond of him. Um, he's just a different cat, and I like him because of that. And so... He loves um, uh, Dr. Pepper and barbecue chips. He's not a, he's not a young buck either. <laughs> but he loves, you know, he wears cowboy boots. He's a Texan, man. And he wears his cowboy boots. He's got his, his drawl, and then he, he's, he's eating his chips and drinking his Dr. Pepper. And he's just, he's just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. And so, like always, this year, I seek Brother Pew out in our board meeting, and I saw him across the room, and I went over and I says, Brother Pew, so good to see you. I said, have you started with the chips yet? He says, oh, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm on it already. And so I greet him and I would say, it's so good to see you, Brother Pew. How are you doing? And for whatever the reasons, I paid close attention to his response when I says, how are you doing? I said, how are you doing? And his response was, just right. Just right. I was so tickled by his response that I asked him a second time. I said, Brother Pew, how are you doing? He said, just right with his Texas accent. That response intrigued me so much that I said to him, Brother Pew, I have to use that. Even while we were sitting at lunch, people would come over to our table and greet us. And they would say, Brother Pew, how are you? Just right. Can't get over that. That response is so apropos to me because it eliminates 
any excuses for not doing what you're supposed to do, especially God's will. See, I've been around long enough to know we always have something brewing in our mind, something brewing in our heart to say, yeah, I would, but. <laughs> we always got a thought in our mind of things are just not right enough for me to do what I need to do. We always have an excuse or a reason as to why we're not doing what we know we're supposed to do, especially when it's pertaining to the things of God. We always have a reason for why we have not done it yet. We can tell you the best reasons as to why we have not done what we know we're supposed to do for God. And so when Brother Pew said to me, I'm doing just right, something just happened happened to me. Something began to move in me and say, that's not just any old answer, Wayne. There's something about that answer that he just gave you as to saying just right. And it began to be processed in my spirit. And I said, just right. And I began to say, I understand it now, Lord. It's He's saying just right because you know why? When everything is just right, there is no excuse or no reason to not do what God has called you to do. What God says you need to do there will be no excuse when you're doing just right but as long as we walk around and says yeah I have this pain for a long time yeah you know I've been praying for God to save my children yeah you know I've been trying to get off from work for the longest so I can come to church. And, and we have all these reasons as to why we aren't doing what God wants us to do. But Brother Pugh was on to something. He must have known something. He must have understood something. He must have come to a place where he realized, Brother Darrell, that the only way to move forward is to always say to yourself, everything is just right. Because if it's no other way, then I'm always going to have an excuse as to why I am not doing what I'm supposed to do. But when everything is just right, I'm ready to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. That thing stuck with me. I couldn't let it go. Just right. So many of us have not obeyed God. God is telling us, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to have all your sins washed away. And you're saying whatever you're saying in your mind. I remember when God told me I need to be baptized and all I can think about is all the sinful stuff I like to do that I had to give it up. And that was something of a challenge to me because all I'm thinking about is all the sinful things that I now enjoy that God knows I got to give up when I decide to get baptized in Jesus name. And so you can play games with yourself. And not do what you're supposed to do because you have a built-in excuse. Well, God, you know my circumstance. God, you know my situation. Hmm. 
I would get baptized, but God, you know, I don't feel right right now. I would get baptized, but God, you know, I'm struggling with this sickness. I would get baptized right now, Lord God, but you know, as soon as, you know, my family get right, you're waiting for somebody else or for something else to change. I will become committed, God, as soon as this get right. But I'm here to tell you, it will never be just right unless you declare it is just right. You need to say, God, I'm going to do your will no matter what the situation because everything is just right. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of excuses as to why we don't do things. We got a lot of reasons. And while they might make sense to you, remember, we're not living to make sense to ourselves. When you look to Jesus, we're living to understand his will for our life. We're living to seek his purpose. We're living to fulfill our call in God, not for life to make sense to us, because life will never make sense to us. The things of God will never always make sense to us. But what we need to say is, what is my responsibility? What is my role? And that's what I will do. I'm just going to do my part. It's not always going to make sense. All the reasoning, all the explanation, all the intellectual conversations, they mean nothing because all God care about is are you doing what he called you to do. All God care about is are you doing what he created you to do. That's all he cares about. So all your reasonings, all the decisions you're making, Except the one you need to make doesn't really mean anything to God. He loves you, but he's not going to condone your excuses. Because God knows what you are capable of more than anyone else. And so he's just wanting for you to do what he tells you to do. Mm -hmm. The truth is. Things will never be just right in your life. That's the truth. That's what Terry Pugh knows. That's why he says just right. These are people that's been living for God all their life. These are people that's all consumed by the things of God. They live in what we might call the Bible Belt. And so he knew something about it. I didn't even go into detail about it with him, but I started getting my own understanding when you say just right. He knew why he was saying that. Because if, if, it, if, we, if, we were, if we're waiting for our situation to change, and we're waiting for uh, the circumstance to change, or we're waiting for an appropriate time, guess what? It will never be just right. It will always be something. Life will never have you in a place where you think everything is just right. Some of us have been living. Talk to the elders that's been living longer than you, and ask them, when was life ever just right for them? Because as soon as you think everything is going right, all of a sudden something else happens. We should know that more now than any other time. As soon as we think, all right, a week has gone by, no bad news, here comes some bad news. I appreciate this church because I look around and I know this. There are many people that's not here today because they not feeling 100%. And I appreciate how we, we have done so well. I appreciate our nurses and the awareness that they have brought to our church. 
I can't tell you how much I appreciate you all because you all have brought an awareness to us to make us realize if we any little sniffle, any little cough, we're not telling you got Corona, but just stay home. <laughs> because because we don't know what it is. Nobody knows. So just, you don't know. So just stay right where you are and don't bring it into the building. And so we have people that are out. My little daughter, she's out. And, and she, she, I think she's fine. But we, I'm doing the same thing. Stay right there. You're not coming to church this morning. We, let's just, just stay home. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I appreciate that you all are doing it. But the point is, nothing is ever just right. It's never just right. There's always something. There's always something going on. There's always something going on. It's never just right. You have to declare that it's just right in your life. You got to declare. And what does that what does that mean? You declare that it's just right. It means you're not ignorant to all the things that's going on around you. You're not ignorant to the pain that you might feel. You're not ignorant. Ask Sister, Sister Cole. She, she had pain, but she's not ignorant toward the pain. But guess what? In her mind, I'm still doing God's will. That's what I mean by declaring that it's just right. It doesn't matter if you're suffering or you're struggling or the situation just not right or finances are not good or the car not working the way it needs to or the children not doing right. Those things will always be. And so you have to declare that no matter what's going on around me, it's just right for me to do what God wants me to do. It's just right. It's just right. It will never be just right in actuality. But you have to declare it. You have to claim it's just right right now. That's how it works. Matthew, it will never be just right to study. You know, sometimes you want the, you know, you want everything. Sometimes you're a smart kid, Matthew, and sometimes what happens is you want to study, but somehow you don't feel the environment is right for study, or you don't feel like your mind is calm enough to study. And you're like, oh man, I need to study, but I'm just not in the mood, or oh man, I need to do my work, but it's just not, I, I don't feel like I'm in a good place. But we have to push through. We have to declare, you know what, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of me just having everything working just right, I've got to push through and says, guess what? It's just right. I'm going to study. It's just right. I'm going to do my homework. It's just right. I'm going to do my reading. It's just right. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Because you can put off. Huh? This is my, maybe why the scriptures say don't put off for today for tomorrow. What you need to do today, you need to do today. Don't go tomorrow because guess what? Tomorrow is not promised unto you. And so what you might think could be just right tomorrow, it may never come. Mm. Mm. It's just right. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, to be baptized in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. It's just right if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost to be filled with the Holy Ghost today with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's just right to start being a witness for Christ if you have not been a witness for Christ. It's just right to start teaching a Bible study to a relative or a friend or a co-worker or to a schoolmate, someone that want to know about God. It's just right for you to start doing that. It's just right for you to start praying like you've never prayed. It's just 
right to be a worshiper, to praise God. It's just right to be faithful to God, to be faithful in everything, to be faithful in your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's just right to give God everything you've got. It's just right. Now is the time. It's just right right now. I don't know what we're holding back for or what we're holding on to. We're in the final hour. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. We're in the final hour. And guess what? You've been hearing Jesus is coming back for a long time. But here is what I will tell you. Do you think you can take the chance and risk that he's not coming back right now so you have time? Do you think you can take that kind of chance? Do you think you can take that kind of chance and say, eh, you know, I know he's coming back, but I know he's not coming back right now. How do you know? Because we're at the place now. It's not just this coming back that you got to worry about, but it's you going to meet him. How many deaths have we seen in the past 18 to 24 months? How many, how, how many news we've heard of sickness? Can you risk it that you're going to be fine no matter what? This is the time to say, God, I'm going to move forward and do what you want me to do. God, I'm going to get involved like I need to be. I know I got some kind of issue, but guess what? You're not the only one. You're not the only one with some issues. Listen to me. Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. This thorn in Paul's flesh talked about, well, first of all, we know it was painful, this thorn in his flesh. We know it had to be an agitation. Mm -hmm. Paul believed it was a hindrance, regardless of what it was. He believed, just like many of us believe, whatever our situation is. Paul believed it was a hindrance to him doing God's will. Just like some of you here today believe whatever you're dealing with is stopping you from doing God's will. <laughs> but there is something most interesting about the thorn in Paul's flesh. And here's the most interesting thing about interesting thing about that. The thorn in Paul's flesh was the will of God. The thorn in Paul's flesh, Luke, Matthew, was the work of the Lord. It wasn't the work of the devil. The devil was used, but the idea was God. The idea of that thorn in Paul's flesh came from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. God was responsible for this thorn in Paul's flesh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Whatever makes us uncomfortable, we automatically blame on the devil. But that's not always the case. Ask the Apostle Paul. God will put things in our life to make us uncomfortable for his will to be done 
in our life. Don't run with the idea of thinking that situation that's agitating you. That situation that get on your nerves. That pain that you constantly experience. Don't you take it for the wrong reason and thinking that the devil is getting on my nerves and getting on my case. Because it very well could be the work, the act of God in your life. How many of us can place ourselves in Paul's situation? We have a thorn in our flesh. And a thorn could be so many different things. It could be a thorn of shameful marks which the world has seen. Maybe your thorn is your speech impediment. Your speech may not be eloquent. Maybe your thorn is some sort of sickness in your body that causes you pain and discomfort. Maybe your thorn is a relationship that can't seem to be reconciled. Maybe a thorn could be so many things. I'm convinced that God gives us people in our life that challenge us relationally. I'm convinced that God put people in our life that will challenge us relationally. And we want everything to be all right. And God won't let it. Because the bottom line is, until you, 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 when you realize that you ain't all that you are cracked up to be, because if you are that good, guess what? This will be rectified. If you are that sharp, this will be rectified. And so God is keeping you from thinking you all that in a bag of chips. So he allows certain things and certain relationships to be a challenge to you. You want it to be perfect, and God says, no, it won't. Because if it is, I will never get my will done in your life. But if I leave it the way it is and continue to make it a challenge and continue to make it agitated and continue to make it disruptive, then I will get you to grow. Then I will get you to see my will. Then I will get you to move in the direction that I'm taking you. But as long as you have that challenge, that thorn in your flesh, you will move and you will grow. But if I make it go good... You settle down, you become complacent, and you don't do a thing. That relationship that you wish was better has been driving you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. That relationship that you want to be so great uh, has been driving you uh, because God knows the day that relationship gets so real good uh, to you, uh, you're going to become complacent. Uh, You're going to settle. You're not going to be praying anymore. Uh, You're not going to fast and seek the Lord uh, because you won't have nothing to seek him for. You won't have nothing to call upon his name for. And he just leaves it in topsy-turvy. He just leaves it in a place uh, where you can't get it together with that person and that person can't get it together with you because God God is bringing you to a place uh, where you need to be, uh, and this is the way he's going to do it. So your thorn may just be that relationship. Your thorn may just be that situation. Don't you get mad about it. It's God. It's not the devil. You have blamed the devil for many years. Oh, the devil did this and the devil did that, and God want me to tell you this morning, it wasn't the devil. 
I love you so much. I want you to go toward the plan of God. I want you to fulfill my purpose that I know all the areas of your life that I can irritate and instigate to make you go in the right direction. I know those things. Nobody else knows those things. I created you and I know you and I am the one that's doing it so I can get you to go in the right direction. So stop thinking it's been the devil. You have, you have stayed unstuck because you keep thinking it's the devil. And God has sent me here to tell you this morning, it hasn't, it's not. It's God stirring you. It's God pushing you. It's God trying to lift you out of that situation for you to stop using that as a crutch. God has sent me here to tell you, you need to move forward. I've come to tell you this. The time has come for you to do God's will. The time has come for you to get serious about God. The time has come for you to be faithful to God. No more are you supposed to blame the situation. No more are you supposed to blame your past, your hurt, your pain, your sickness. No more are you supposed to make an excuse as to why you can't move forward. Because God sent me here to tell you the very thing you may despise or detest could be the very thing he has placed in your life to get you moving, to get you going, to get you to be what he called you to be. I feel it in my soul. God has given you sufficient grace. God says stop procrastinating. He has given you sufficient grace. You've been procrastinating for too long. You had that crutch for too long. It's because of this God. Why I'm not able to do this? Church, I gotta tell you if I was supposed to sit back and say God, it's because of this and it's because of that. I would never be here today. But I didn't trust in me. I didn't trust in what I could I couldn't do. I just decided I'm gonna obey God. I'm gonna follow God. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to do God's will. It wasn't up to, I'm glad I didn't say God. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about this, Lord? What about that? And God is saying, don't you worry about that. I'm God Almighty, and I will work my work in you. All I need you to do is to obey. All I need you to do is to submit. All I need you to do is to let me work in you. Just obey me, and I will do just what I want to do. Hear me today, somebody. You are God's living testimony. And God wants you to stand like me and like so many other of us to testify that I am no different from you. My life is no better than yours. But what I did do is obey God. And God just took me from where he wanted me to go from to where he wanted me to be. Nobody is any better than anybody in this place. But what some of us are is obedient to God while others have decided they're going to keep doing what they want. They're going to make excuse for what they want. It's either you do or you make your excuse. But the bottom line is none of us is any different. For you, your thorn might be sickness. For somebody else, it might be a relationship. For you, it might be 
a shame, a mark of shame that had been placed on you. And you feel so terrible that you just can't do anything. For somebody else, it might be a speech impediment where they want to speak and they feel like God is calling them to speak and they feel like they're inadequate. They can't pronounce their words right and so they don't want to do it. All of us have something. All of us are going through something. All of us are up against something. But God is letting us know that he has given us sufficient grace to continue to fulfill and to do his will. He has given us sufficient grace and that's what we need. The Lord knows how to balance our lives. If we have only blessings, we may become proud. And we know what happens when there's pride in our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and 18 that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so the bottom line is God knows how to balance us. He he knows how to work in our life that we don't think more of ourselves than we are. In Proverbs 29 and 23, it says a man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. I told him this morning that God gave me an understanding of that even a little bit deeper this morning. That God knows how to balance our life. And so God put things in our life, back to this again, this thorn. God put things in our life to keep us balanced, to keep us humble. And so D, while God is using us miraculously, what he does is he allows different things to be in our life so we will not get beside ourselves and say, look at what I'm doing. Because as soon as you can think about bragging about what you're doing, your other side of what you're going through, of what your, of your, your flaws are, of what you're incapable of doing, that kicks in. And so now you're saying, oh, Lord, I can't even brag about this. I can't even brag about this because I would be stupid to brag because I know over here, look what God is doing. But I'm so messed up and flawed over here. And for me, I realize that it's only by the grace of God that I'm able to do what God wants me to do. So there's no way to, 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 to think myself that I can claim that I'm something. Because I, all I know is this, Brother Truby. All the Lord have to do is take away his grace and I fall flat on my face. All, all the Lord have to do is remove his grace and I fall flat on my face. So I'm afraid to even try to brag about anything the Lord is doing through me because all he has to do is like, oh, really? And just do like this. And I just fall flat on my face. There's nothing to brag about. He knows how to balance us. And so I told him that God puts things in our life, thorns in our life to balance us so pride don't get the best of us. And I mentioned this morning that old Lucifer, he was perfect. Go read it. He was perfect in all his ways. He was beautiful. Had no thorn. And so when he said within himself, he's going to be like the most high God. He didn't have anything balancing him. He thought he was, what he says? He was all of that in a bag of chips. 
He was all that in a bag of chips, D. And so he wasn't balanced. He thought he was God's gift, which he was. But he thought he was all that. And guess what? He fell. That's where pride started, in the devil. Pride didn't come from man. Pride came from the devil. The devil passed that on to man. So while many sins are of man, pride is of the devil. He introduced that to us. And so it's a wonder why pride and fall, the devil falling, I beheld Satan as lightning falling. So when we allow pride to get the best of us, we're going to fall and be destroyed. So God put mechanisms in our life that we sometimes detest and despise, but they're there so pride don't get the best of us. And unfortunately, when pride get the best of us, it means we have bypassed those mechanisms that God has put in place to stop us or help us to not be prideful. What we have done sometimes is whatever and overstep our bounds and ignore those mechanisms to the point where now pride get a hold of us and we are destroyed and we fall. And God is just like, I put those mechanisms in there to help you, but you have bypassed them. And that's why when you bypass those things, that's why you're going to experience destruction. That's why you're going to experience fall. The Lord knows how to, ba- how to balance our lives. So he permits us to have burdens as well as blessings. The Lord knows how to balance our life. So he allows, he permits us to have burdens as well as blessings. Burdens wear you down. Burdens make it difficult. But blessings is something else. It makes you happy. And so God knows how to balance our life with burdens and blessings. Paul's great experience. Listen, check this out. Paul's great experience is in him. Is It's him being caught up in the third heaven. In that same text, if you read up further, not below, but up before we got to verses uh, 7 through 9. But if you go back to 1 through uh, 5, 6, um, or even before that, Paul started saying, I once knew a man who was caught up in the third heaven. And what Paul was saying is he knew a man that was caught up in the third heaven. It was him. But he says, I knew a man. Watch this. His experience of being caught up in the third heaven and seeing and hearing things that is unlawful to be revealed in the earth could have been ruined, could have ruined his ministry on earth. So God in his goodness permitted Satan to buffet Paul in order to keep him from becoming proud. Paul experienced the supernatural to the point where what he experienced could not be uttered in earth. And if God didn't give that boy that thorn, that man of God, that thorn, he would have been walking around here on clouds because he was permitted to see and hear things that no man was able to hear and see but him. And that would have just destroyed him. So God buffeted him, sent the devil to buffet him, to place that, that thorn in his, in, in his flesh so he would be handicapped and couldn't brag. Because, you know, it's hard to brag when you're handicapped. It's hard to brag when you, they're looking at you like, what are you talking about, man? You can't even walk right. The thorn in your flesh will cause Satan to send you a message of discouragement and condemnation. 
So whatever that situation is in your life, guess what? Satan will use it to try to discourage you. Satan will use it to bring condemnation in your life. That thorn in your flesh, Satan will make you feel terrible and tell you, oh, you have no hope. This is why God said his grace is sufficient. What God is saying is no matter what the handicap, no matter what that thorn is, guess what? All you need is my grace and you will be fine. But the devil is going to tell you that you will not be fine. I'm here to tell you, church, you better listen to the voice of God. You better hear the word of God that, guess what, no matter what's going on, God's grace is all you need. And everything that the devil is telling you, you don't listen to it because the devil is a thief and a robber. And guess what? He want to destroy you. And so he's going to send you messages of condemnation, messages that don't give you hope. When you start feeling condemnation and you start feeling like you have no hope, guess what? That's the work of the devil. Don't be distracted by your thorn in your flesh. Don't be distracted by it. The flesh is wanting you to pay attention to it. Don't be distracted by it. Don't be distracted by your thorn because your thorn didn't get put there to destroy you or stop you. It's there to help you. Listen. I told him this morning about Joseph. About Moses. About when God called him. He started reciting what the thorns are in his flesh. Oh God I'm slow of speech. And all this stuff. But let me tell this group. About another prophet of God. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse number 5. Before I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Everybody, look at me. That's you. It might not be to be a prophet, but everything else he told Jeremiah, we just are, we've, we've just been sanctified to do different works. But let's go back to looking at it. Before we were formed in the belly... God knew us. Before we came out of the womb, God called us, sanctified us. And then God ordained us to be his vessel to all nations. That's what he told Jeremiah. But here's Jeremiah. We should learn from these people. Then said I, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. Here we go. God tells us what he called us to do and who we are, and we're still arguing with God. But God, I can't speak. I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. I don't care if you're a baby. I don't care if you can't speak. I don't care if you have a speech impediment. I don't care what your thorn is. I'm sending you and you're going to speak what I command you to speak. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what the thorn is. As a matter of fact, understand the thorn came by me. So stop telling me about your thorn. Stop telling me about your situation. Stop telling me about what's wrong. Stop telling me about what you cannot do like I don't know. God told Moses, you're so crazy telling me about you can't speak. Who made the mouth? 
Moses telling the Lord he can't speak in God. God didn't even tell Moses about that. God, God. He just says, who made the mouth? So you go tell God this morning, but I can't. And he's going to tell you something just like that. He told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee with, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Church, your handicap is not a reason for you to be excused from what God called you to do. Your handicap is not your hindrance. Your handicap doesn't stop you. Your handicap doesn't prevent you from doing God's will. God knows just what he put in your life, and God knows just what you can do, and God have your back. You just need to obey him and realize nothing can stop you from doing his will. God has given us sufficient grace to keep on keeping on to do his will. I told him this morning that I've studied the word grace, and there's a lot of definitions that come up. You know, unmerited favor, revelation of God, all different kind of things. But God gave me one for me this morning. Simply put, when God's grace is in your life, it means God's presence is with you. Paul said, my grace is sufficient. God's presence was with him. Moses started complaining. God says, I will be with you. Jeremiah says, I'm but a child and I can't speak. God says, I will be with you. So when God, when God's grace is in your life, on top of everything else, unmerited favor, because unmerited favor means you have the presence of God with you that you don't deserve anyway. So God gave me my revelation this morning that his grace is his presence in your life. So if God's presence is in your life, what are you worrying about? What can't you do? Remember the three Hebrew boys? They were in the fiery furnace, and they were still okay. What is stopping you from doing what God wants you to do? Think about this. We, if, 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 if we were so messed up, we wouldn't be here this morning. With all what's going on in our life, we still got to this point. With all that's wrong in our life, we still got to this point. With all that we're incapable of doing, we still got to this point. Listen to me. Don't believe your doubt and don't doubt what you first believed. Don't believe your doubt and don't doubt what you first believed. Paul learned that his thorn in his flesh was a gift from God. Your problem, your agitation, your uncomfortableness, gift from God, gift from God, gift from God. What a strange gift that God will give us. There was only one thing for Paul to do, accept the gift from God and allow God to accomplish his purpose in Paul's life. God wanted to keep Paul from being exalted above measure. And this was his way of accomplishing it. No matter what God do in your life, that you accomplish great things, you will always realize and come to know it's God that's doing it. That's why your thorn is a gift. It's so you don't get big-headed. It's so you don't think you're better than the next man or the next woman. 
That's why God put it there. God has put a thorn in your flesh because he wants to raise you up. That's the reason why it's there. He has put it there because he wants to do great things in your life. And when he do this great thing or great things in your life, you will not be prideful because the last thing the Lord wants is for him to accomplish your will and you destroy it all through pride. Think about that. The last thing the Lord wants you to do is to nullify, is to mess up all that he has accomplished in your life. So he put that thorn there before you can get to that place. Your future is bright, church. The possibilities are endless in Christ because there's a thorn in your flesh and it's a gift from God. So when he does great things in your life and he raises you up, he will be able to say, don't get beside yourself, boy. Don't get beside yourself, girl. You know where you're coming from. You know what I've done in your life. You know that's not all about you. Don't you get beside yourself. He did that with Paul. Paul, don't you get beside yourself. When Paul accepted his affliction as the gift of God, this made it possible for God's grace to work in his life. Church, we just have to accept the situation that we don't like, that God has placed in our life. You just have to accept it. God did not give Paul any explanation as to why, as to what the, 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 the thorn was. God didn't explain it to Paul. God didn't tell him all of what he, you know, was seeking. Well, God, why is this there? Why did you put it there? God didn't give him any explanation. Instead, God just gave him promise. God is not going to explain himself to us, but God is going to give us promises. My grace is sufficient for thee. We do not live on explanations from God. We live on the promises of God. Our feelings change, but God's promises never change. Promises generate faith, and faith strengthens hope. God is wanting us to live on his promises, not on explanations from him. Notice God don't give us a whole lot of explanations. Because if he explained some things to us, we wouldn't even understand. Because we have no idea how everything connects in God. And so if he explains some things to us, we would be so lost. So he just gives us promises. He just gives us promises. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We live on the promises of God, not by explanations. Our feelings change, but God's promises never changes. Promises generate faith, and faith strengthens hope. Grace will turn tragedy into triumph. Grace will turn tragedy into triumph. When we give God praise, it's because we realize that in spite of us, in spite of our flaws, in spite of our inadequacies, God still works in us and through us. And that's when we give him praise because we realize it's not us. It's not because of how good we are. It's not because of who we think we are. It's because of who he is. And so I close. With 2 Corinthians chapter 9, chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. We read 9 before. We'll read it again and read 10. It says in verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. A lot of us want to experience the power of God, but we're so into ourselves 
that we could never experience the power of God because the power of self is ruling and reigning in your life. And when the power of self is ruling in your life, you can't experience the power of God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then let's stand. We are strengthened when we accept the thorn in our flesh as God's gift. We are strengthened when we accept our weaknesses that, you know what, we may have weaknesses, but that doesn't stop God's will from being done in our life. We move forward and we accomplish God's will when we realize that our inadequacies, our flaws, all of what we've experienced that make us not as great as we think we are supposed to be, all of it is supposed to help us to realize God is working in our life and God just doesn't want us to get prideful. What God wants to do in your life, without the balance, without the thorn in your flesh, you're going to become prideful. I'm telling you, if you didn't hold on to anything today, hold on to that. To know what God wants to do so great a thing in my life that is going to be so easy for me to become prideful is going to be so great. But God has already given me my thorn that I cannot brag and I cannot act like I'm all that in a bag of chips. Whew. That's how great the power of God will work in your life. That without, without the thorn... You're going to think that you're something that you're not. Without the thorn, you're going to think that you're better than others. Without the thorn, you're going to think that, oh, look at me, how wonderful I am. And that's why you have the situation in your life. Whether it's the relation thing, whether it's the, the, the shame that you experience that you can't get over, whether it's, it's, it's just sickness that won't leave you, pain that you're constantly in, no matter what it is. God has left it there. God has left it there. Because God wants to do great things in your life. And he doesn't want you to go off and be prideful. And think of yourself to be more than you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. There is none like you, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that you, oh God, let the word that was spoken here today take root into our hearts. I pray, Lord God. That you will help us today to walk away, oh God, with the word of God in our heart, Lord God. That we will say yes to your will and realize the very thing we were fighting has been a gift from you. Even though, Lord God, it wasn't the thing that we were comfortable with. But God, today we have come to the place to realize that it's been you all along. It's been you all along. That, Lord, you have kept us and your hand has been upon us. And even when we think, Lord God, you weren't close, you were close. You are in our life, Lord God, and you're calling us, oh God, to do your will. And all we have to do, Lord God, is just accept the gift of the thorn that is in our flesh. For, God, you will take us to heights we've never been. 
For God, you will take us to places beyond our understanding. For God, you will do work in our life, Lord Jesus, that will be a blessing to many. And oh God, today, we're thankful, Lord God. I pray that somebody in this place will get up, will stand up, not just physically, but in their spirit, but in their thoughts, in their heart, that they will stand up and say, God, I've heard your word. No more excuses. No more, oh God, making a reason for why I have not done your will. For God, you have stripped me from all of my excuses. You have stripped me from all of my explanation. Now, Lord God, I will go. Somebody hear me today. God is not looking for you to, 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 to just wait for him anymore. He wants you to go and start doing what you know how to do. For some of you, he's calling you to start praying like you've never prayed. For some of you, he's calling you to start reading the word of God and obeying the word of God like you've never done before. For some of you, he's calling you to start telling people of the goodness of God. For some of you, he's calling you to be a Bible teacher, to teach people the word of God. For some of you, he's calling you to be a light, to be a worshiper, and one that will praise him. For some of you, he's saying, give my life, give your life to me. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. For some of you, he's saying, lift your hands and worship me, and I can fill you with my spirit, for I am pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. For some of you, he's saying, obey my word and go where I've sent you. For some of you, he's saying, look to me, for I will do what I said I would do. Ah, Oh, hear the voice of God. Hear the word of God today. Hear the word of God today. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day. This is your hour. This is your moment. God is speaking to your heart. Don't leave here today without obeying God's word. Don't leave here today with any more excuses. Don't leave here today with any more reasons and justification for God wants to do his will in you. God wants to do his will in you. God is calling you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Go and do the work of God. Go and do what God has called you to do. Oh, church, hear the voice of God today. Hear the word of God today and obey it. God is here. God is here and God has spoken. God has spoken. Hear the voice of God and trust him. Hear the voice of God and obey him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, let the spoken word today take root into our heart. I pray that somebody will believe so much that they will go and do your will, that they will go in obedience, that somebody will hear the voice of God and trust you and walk in your spirit and walk in your purpose and walk in your power and demonstration will begin to flow from your life. Ye <laughs> 
Jesus, by your spirit, Lord God, by your power, Lord God. Oh, God, let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Have your way, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Somebody love the Lord today. Somebody praise the Lord today. Somebody obey the Lord today. Come on, worship him in this house. Worship him in this house. Worship him where you are. 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 Worship God. Worship him. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Let him have his way, church. Let him have his way, church. Love the Lord today. Worship the Lord today. Bless his name today. Give him thanks today. Give him thanks today. Give him thanks today. Give him thanks today. Honor him today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give him praise in this house. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless your church. Have a great rest of your day. God is in this place. God is in this place. Let God have his way. God is moving. Let him have his way. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, love him, church. Love him, church. God loves you. How about you love him back? How about you love God back? He's been good to you. He loves you. How about you go ahead and love him? God is loving you. Why don't you go ahead and love him back? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget, get your commitment card before you leave. Bring it back on the 24th. Hallelujah. Hey, hey.
you be my life when I cannot see? When I can't take another step, Lord, will you carry me? And when I've lost my fight, will you be my strength? Will you set me a table in the presence of my enemies? I shall not want. I shall not want. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. Cause my cup's running over, running over, and I shall not want. And I will lift my eyes to where my help comes from. And I won't be afraid of the shadow, cause I've seen the sun. No, I will not stop when the way gets hard. Cause the green only grows in the valley. Oh, my soul. 
when this life is over.